0: So specifically, we might call them a collection of helping professionals, therapists, physicians, nurses, clergy members, dentists, etc. People who received messaging when they were in their families of origin that "tis better to give than to receive. Tending to the needs of others is important. You don't need to have your own needs. So a lot of those people grew up to become helping professionals, not surprisingly, And the systems that we work in becomes our culture. And our cultures in the workforce reinforce self-sacrifice.
1: Welcome to Therapist Expanded, where we start a mental health revolution by living our dreams fully and freely beyond industry conditioning and taking every client with us. Because we'll only take them as far as we've gone. So, join me, your host, Aaron Gibb, and my trailblazing guests, and be revolutionary by expanding your mind and your life to your freest and fullest potential. Hello, revolutionaries. So glad you've joined myself and my guest, Megan Van Meter, today. Megan is an absolute kindred spirit. She speaks in this podcast so many things that have led me to start this podcast, start Therapist Expanded, share these things on a more global scale through all the different platforms I'm doing this on. I really hope you enjoy this today. I just want to give you all a heads up. Megan is not faffing around here. She's going right for the heart of some of the difficulties in our field. So... This isn't like a a trigger warning in terms of it being disturbing content by any means, but it might be difficult if you've got, hmm, how do I put this? Defense mechanisms, for lack of a better word, going on that could be protecting you as you're in the earlier phases of sort of the phases I see where people wake up to this in their careers. So I just encourage you to listen with an open mind and if possible, an open heart. And know that you don't have to reinvent your life today. But this also could be a route to that if you're not fulfilled in this field, not fully fulfilled as you were promised you might be, that you might also be able to let yourself off the hook a little bit or a lot. I'm sending you all love and I hope you enjoy this as much as I enjoyed making it. Also, I'd love to serve you further in my Monday Mind Up's email list, in the show notes. And really, I like serving people with this list to get you thinking and get you aha moments. And it's a choose-your-own-adventure. It's to really help you live your life aligned with your dreams instead of aligned with your conditioning. Check it out. And without further ado, this is part one of my interview with Megan Van Meter. So thank you so much, Megan, for coming on the podcast. I'm very excited for our discussion today. Well, I'm excited to be here. So thank you for asking me. Oh, my pleasure. So let's start with the question. Tell us about yourself,
0: your work, and your passions in the field. Well, a good place to start is I'm an art therapist. So I... I'm old school. I graduated in 92 from the University of Louisville in the United States. Knew what I wanted to do when I was 17. I'm going to be an art therapist. So I went, got the education, then launched out into a changing mental health landscape that I didn't know it was changing at the time. I was just stepping into it. But this is when managed care was coming to eat the bejeebers out of all systems and so suddenly my knowledge base and skill set was looked upon as questionable. You're not a licensed social worker <laughs> is what I kept hearing. Um, no, I'm an art therapist. That's what I want to be. And here's what I can do. And long story short, that was just a struggle. Um, but I do have board certification in art therapy now. Counseling licenses appeared, and I was able to fit into the counseling licensure structure here in the United States. So I currently am licensed in the states of Texas, Indiana, and Arizona. I now have an online... Never thought I'd go online. I'm one of those. But I have an online private practice where I am providing art therapy services to reignite the creative spark of people who have lived a life of self-sacrifice. So specifically, we might call them a collection of helping professionals, therapists, physicians, nurses, clergy members, dentists, etc. People who received messaging when they were young in their families of origin that. Tis better to give than to receive. And tending to the needs of others is important. You don't need to have your own needs. So, a lot of those people grew up to become helping professionals, not surprisingly. And the systems that we work in, you know, it's not just the workplace, but it's also the workforce because it becomes our culture. You know, physicians are in their own culture, nurses are in their own culture, therapists are in their own culture. And our cultures in the workforce reinforce self-sacrifice. And so those are the people I work with. They have emotional and physical exhaustion. They may have taken on a negative view about the world itself and their ability to make any difference in the world. And they may be uh, suffering from traumas that are reverberating in their system. And they're not their own traumas. They're the traumas they've encountered from the work they do, um, other people's traumas, essentially. So these are like my, my people, if you will. So generically, we're talking anxiety and overwhelm, burnout and stress, depression. <laughs> but underneath it all is we got a whole lot of work to do to find that long lost person of the self.
1: Big S, big S self. Yes. Oh, Megan, I feel we could talk for weeks about what you just said because I am a kindred spirit and that is my mission, as you probably know, to help yeah. people unlock the the key to their fulfillment in life, which is not about self-sacrificing. And yeah, I, I have yet to meet a health professional that has not embodied this unless they've worked on it really consciously, it seems to be very easy. And it's also a cultural norm for women. Hmm.
0: Oh yeah. Definitely. Which is why you find that many of the helping professions are dominated by females.
1: Yes. Mic drop. Oh yeah. There is so much that you said there and you said it so eloquently and there is so much that can be said about that. That sacrificing nature. And for me, what I've seen is when we stop self sacrificing, we actually help people more.
0: That is the irony. But to let go of everything you've ever known and everything you've been rewarded for and socialized to believe, there are all kinds of demons that jump up inside saying, You're selfish. (laughs) Who are you? You don't deserve this. And then we find ways to sabotage ourselves and to punish ourselves and go right back to tis better to give than to receive, which is not, that's not a balanced equation. Absolutely. If we were meant to live other people's lives, then we would be. (laughs) Good point. Yeah. You know, we have to live our own lives and for many of us we start the journey thinking that is what we're doing we feel our calling we're very passionate about it and we can't imagine ourselves doing anything else and it's not that we should be doing some other profession um I have personally tried to exit um but that didn't work like I didn't exit (laughs) I I couldn't Figure out, well, what is this other thing I'm supposed to be doing with my life? So the problem needs to be dealt with inside. Because our institutions are, you know, the Titanic heading for the iceberg. They're not going to change direction anytime soon. Um, It's up to each one of us as an individual. And these days, helping professionals as a general Whole were not in fabulous psychological shape prior to the pandemic. But then the pandemic came and just, you know, blew the lid off of all the problems. And you hear so frequently in the news now people are concerned about physicians burning out and et cetera, and so on. And we're taking it to the streets complaining about our burnout. It's a word that gets used generically. It actually means something specific. And it's, you know, we might get into that in a bit. But what's not happening are helping professionals taking matters into their own hands and saying, I choose differently for myself. Because the system, even if the system could change overnight, which is what everybody wants, even if it could do that, helping professionals don't understand that they have trauma reverberating inside of them and that's not going to disappear overnight they would show up in a healthy wonderful sunshiny system and probably be resentful at all they'd suffered within said system that is now you know bright as sunshine so there's work to be done at an individual level and that i think is what needs to happen next
1: oh beautiful that's what we have any control over is our individual self and for beautiful reasons like that's that comment if we were meant to live someone else's life we would we have this light and we have these dreams and we have these goals and they are not to be put on the back burner that's not why we came here yeah oh i am just i'm vibrating megan this is everything that uh, i'm very passionate about so there were some things that I wanted to speak to that I saw in the email that we've exchanged. Mm -hmm. One of them, two of these statements, they really were like, again, mic droppers. And email for me doesn't usually feel like a mic drop. Uh, I would almost say never does it feel like a mic drop. But when I read your words, I was like, yes, you wrote internalization works to unconsciously help us embody institutional values. Can you tell us about that?
0: Yeah. There is this type of information processing called perceptual, perceptual information processing that mainstream psychotherapy hasn't latched onto yet, but neuroscientists have known for more than half a century that it is the flip side of affect and is very important in shaping a person's emotional world and also contributes directly to uh, shaping our cognitive world. And so this is how we absorb culture. It's sights, sounds, smells. It's essentially sensory data that gets sort of woven together and made a little more complex. And we look for pattern, routine, structure. Our brains are wired to detect that and look for it. And the, the pandemic is an example of our structure and pattern fell away. And how that affected our emotional world was everyone skid right into anxiety and depression so if we don't have an optimal amount of detectable structure pattern routine going on in the world around us we feel it and when there's too much pattern structure routine we feel that too that's called you know bureaucracy and (laughs) rigidity um but anyhow it's through this perceptual channel that we absorb culture which contributes to our sense of self, and it's invisible, it's insidious, and it happens to us helping professionals in our educational process. We've already perhaps come from a family or a background where we were reinforced to meet the needs of others and not reinforced to meet our own needs or even have them or be familiar with them. Then we get into this system where the system Put some iron bars around us and lets us know this is how you operate within the system. So you have your professors, your instructors, they're grading you. So this is how we learn the pattern and the routine and the rhythm of this culture we're becoming a part of. And some of those educational systems are very sick as well. You know, educators are a part of helping professionals and Seen some unfortunate stuff at the university level. Faculty on faculty abuse, faculty on student abuse, student on student abuse, student on faculty abuse. And you have to think back to your own internship experiences, Erin. Some of them were probably less than stellar. So we send our students out into these sick, toxic places that are not fixed and we encourage them to just tolerate. Do what you can to manage this. I find it embarrassing that we send our students into dysfunctional soup. They're learning how to be a helping professional. They don't need to learn how to navigate a sick family system. They may have already come from one. But anyhow, if we survive our schooling, then we get out into the workforce, which is, you know, where the sick internship sites are. (laughs) And that's where we get our hours for our full licensure. And we learn more sick stuff. And the messaging is, you know, for healthcare professionals, certainly educators, um, it's take on as many people as you possibly can. Your schedule should not have one spare minute for looking out the window to have a daydream. So it's busy, 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 go, go, go. Um, as if there is no difference between working with a person and writing the clinical note. Like you have to get into a totally different headspace to write the clinical note. So the idea that you can just toggle back and forth all day and be on, on, on is detrimental to our nature as humans. There was a study that was done in France recently. They were looking at mental fatigue. And what, like, what is that? What happens? And the the prevailing theory had been We only have so much energy at some point, you know, if we're having to think too hard, we exhaust ourselves because we don't have the energy left. So they did this study in France where the average workday is six and a half hours long. And they gave people difficult cognitive things to do for six and a half hours and then took a look inside the brains to see, like, what's going on here? And they found higher than anticipated levels of glutamate, which is, you know, it's a necessary neurotransmitter. It's something we should have in our, in our system to start with. But at higher levels, it's associated with neurodegeneration. So Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, etc. And now they have to replicate the study, but they're wondering, oh, does mental fatigue mean our system is saying stop? don't go any further this could be dangerous um and, isn't and that's it isn't it though because we can feel it mm-hmm. we can
1: feel that that makes complete sense because we can feel that fogginess that starts to come on the need for a coffee for some people This like i need a break we have this wonderful feedback loop and that i think it makes complete sense i will uh I'll allow you to continue. I just needed to jump in there and be like,
0: but it of course it, we can feel the effect. We can. But of course, part yeah. of being, you know, Western cultures in general, um, those that were originated through European means, disembodied, very disembodied. Oh, yeah, keep very going. Disembodied culture. We
1: may feel it. But I would be lying if I hadn't internalized and don't see it all the time. The, the, well, just push through, like you got to get that thing done. Absolutely. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Just push through, see more people, um, private practitioners getting on all the insurance panels and having remarkably huge caseloads that are unmanageable because they are getting paid so poorly through the insurance companies here in the United States. We're letting our clients dictate the terms of treatment, you know, people who are saying, well, I I can only come at eight in the morning and therapists saying, okay, when they weren't planning on being open at eight in the morning, but they're letting clients tell them, like, imagine going for radiology, chemotherapy, and you telling the oncologist when you're going to show up and what the frequency of treatment is going to look like.
1: Yes, it would be yeah. highly unlikely and as you're talking about all this I'm really seeing for me it's been a journey to get to coaching therapists i I have interns i have I have a group clinic and interns and and I've moved away from client work to coach therapists and I see how my clinic has been the how do I put this it's been the school I needed so when I'm hearing you talk it is everything we've we've organized our clinic against so we have reversed it we do not put the client first we put the clinic the therapist first clinic and the therapist first the therapist I had someone yesterday tell me an intern I'm taking three weeks off and I was like yes awesome and I remember thinking that would have not been my experience but by putting the clinic and the therapist first people stay well they set their own hours they set their own fees i I don't want to be telling anyone to do that and what happens is they give great care that's sustainable and then that client goes out and tells people and shows people their wellness which feeds back to the clinic and the therapist so we've been even having interns i get this paperwork from their universities and i i just need to ground myself as i fill it out it is so they must listen to me. They must. It's all of this unbelievable control. And I feel nauseous thinking about it. And I, when I fill them out, I make sure I'm like, I don't know what will happen there because I can't give you that plan now because it'll be collaborative with the intern. I don't know what'll happen there, but... And I'll fill it out. And when the interns come, they tell me that they go to these group meetings Or they hear about other people's internships, which were very much like my internship and other people's internships. So I'm just hearing you realizing everything in me takes a stand against these things. So what you said earlier about it's at the individual level. It is at the individual level. And now it has become systemic for me. Around me, the system is different. It's just sort of an aha.
0: And think of the difference between what your interns are heading out into the world with versus what you and I headed out into the world with. Yeah. Um, World of difference.
1: Yes. That is the idea is to, when I look at this mission I have with Therapist Expanded, I love to work with therapists at any stage, but part of one of the podcast series I'm going to do is going to be for these early people. Because it's like an early life intervention when we look at working with kids. In our clinic, we have three play therapy suites, essentially. One's basically for adults, but two are for kids. And it's like, although I don't do play therapy, I used to a little bit. My business partner, that's her passion, her expertise. When we can intervene when a kid is 15 months old, she's had 15 month olds she's worked with. What happens in their life trajectory? I think about that like new therapists if we don't have to decondition so much, life becomes easier. And they're more able, I've seen, to say, yeah, like I don't want all that wet wool blanket of conditioning. I've seen it with interns. I love working with them because they do have less conditioning. All of us can do it at any moment. Changes a decision. We can make it anytime. But it it is fulfilling to work with people who are in the midst of being conditioned and help them to see, do you want that? And usually they say, no, they want agency of their own, meaning they want to make their own choices about what's best for them.
0: That is so empowering because it's going to nip in the bud something called imposter syndrome, Mm. which is a, you know, I think it happens in every profession, but... Mm -hmm. As far as the helping professionals go, it's our training programs teach us kind of nuts and bolts. Here is how you do a suicide risk assessment, etc. But they don't address the person of the helper. I went to a fabulous program where we had to be in therapy before we could do our internships. Um, We did everything experientially first, so we all knew each other's stuff we were working on our stuff but it's not like that in most classes it's it's here's the nuts and bolts here's human development here's family counseling principles and it's a whole bunch of so-called competencies but we're not ensuring that the person of the helper feels competent and so people are absorbing this culture around them this these institutional values which say absolutely nothing about the student helpers emerging sense of self as a helper.
1: Absolutely. Their
0: internal world isn't addressed at all. And then they go out and they're just looking at the people next to them and assuming that they know more. And, you know, studies show that extroverts will speak up in meetings and people think they're smarter just because they've spoken up when they really might not be smarter at all. So. I see people who have strings of letters after their names. Not just licensure in different states. If I put all my letters together because of my licenses, it looks like I have a bunch um but you know a state license and my board certification in art therapy, I don't need the rest. But I see people collecting certifications as if one day they're going to find the one that makes them put their imposter syndrome syndrome to rest and I find that so sad mm. that we prepare people in the helping professions to sort of by default believe they don't really have what it takes they were just lucky and passed all the exams
1: oh my goodness. yeah there is just so much to say when the interns come in and they don't have all of the things they think they need to have because of their conditioning for me it's about Well, at any point, just drop back into being, into presence, into being in that moment and coming back into capital S self, and you will know what to do. And some people reel against that for a while and then eventually go, Oh, yeah, because we can't possibly earn our way through more trainings and through part of imposter syndrome is someone else giving us permission, as if someone will one day say, You're finally ready to stop self-sacrificing you're finally ready to go into private practice you're finally ready to have enough trainings to be competent i see it as an epidemic for therapists training after training after workshop after and it's for me what my mission is is to help people actually feel below the conditioning can be difficult for some people it takes journeying usually experiential methods definitely. To get to the deepest dream and desire because if we are not aligned with our deepest dream desire we cannot find fulfillment we will just keep allowing the dopamine control system to say more 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 that insatiable like so the neurochemistry gets on board in this imposter syndrome to leave an endless trail of control dopamine that says i just need more if i just have more." credentials and more check boxes and more trainings i will feel like i'm complete and fulfilled and it it just doesn't work because the conditioning will never lead to fulfillment only the capital s self-knowledge that's buried for many will ever leave to a sense of serotonin release and i am me now as i am enough and living
0: my purpose right And I'm a person and I have needs. Yeah. Who knew? (laughs) Yeah. And they must come first.
1: They're the only way to find what will actually make us fulfilled. And then that leads into when we're fulfilled, the work we do with people, It can. it's oranges and Volkswagens compared. I needed to structure our clinic that way because if the therapists are not well, I know what will be pumped out into the world more of the problem not the solution it it was the only way for me that made sense
0: yeah well congratulations for having the vision and having the audacity <laughs> to pursue it and turn it into a reality and it it sounds like there's fertile ground there there wasn't external resistance
1: there yeah i don't even care if there was but there might have been but it was like it's i guess why i love sharing all this is because the thing that starts to happen thank you by the way and the thing that starts to happen when we start to see different right we look to those people you were describing it we look because that's human behavior when we see someone doing what we believe is impossible suddenly we have access to something else we've gotten uh We haven't gotten that much pushback, really. We do our own thing. And mostly it's just attracted. That's also what happens when you live your fulfilled life, you become a magnet. And so interns, we have so many interns who want to work with us that we need to expand, uh, hopefully soon. But it's wonderful. Like What a gift that doing the thing that people said was probably not going to work out we did we built a clinic in covid and you know et cetera. i could go on but it doesn't matter following your purpose and your fulfillment it magnetizes the life you want thanks for listening to therapist expanded please subscribe rate review and share this podcast to help more of our colleagues join the revolution